two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here at UFMD at WFMD.com. And of course, as a podcast, go to Apple Podcast and you can listen to uh, this program, our past programs. Recently, we had on, uh, let me see, we had Dr. Ben Carson on, uh, Maya McGinnis uh, for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, etc. They're all there, uh, archived. You can check them out, re-listen to those. Uh, you can also... Um, uh, share them. Uh, we love that. We love having listeners all across the United States now. Um, that's one good thing about technology is these podcasts and uh, access uh, via streaming. It's uh, great for the folks that uh, have moved out of the uh, the D.C. capital region, mid-Maryland, etc. So um, welcome to everybody. I am Chris Murray, your host. We have a good program planned for you today. A lot of policy talk. Uh, joining me is Mr. Preston Brashers. He's a senior policy analyst in the Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget who focuses on tax policy. We've got these big uh, spending bills that are floating around out there. We're going to talk about uh, those. One in particular piece is the uh, SALT deduction, and uh, we'll explain what that is in just a minute. And also we're going to talk about something that I talked about earlier this week on the Morning News Express, um, the I just see it as weaponizing the IRS with all of these additional um, IRS agents. They're talking how um, they're only going after the rich and famous, you know, lifestyle, the caviar and yachts and champagne and all that stuff. And I think it's baloney. So uh, we'll hear from uh, Preston, get his take, uh, since he is a, a, an expert on that. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, he really focuses on... Uh, tax policy. He um, received his PhD in economics from the University of Kentucky in Lexington, his BS in uh, economics from the University of Washington in Seattle. We'll bring him in. Good morning, Preston. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Oh, sure. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. So as with all of our guests that we have on, um, we really appreciate uh, your time, your expertise. And, um, you know, we look forward to learning and being educated on some of these issues. I guess I'll start with um, the fact that, you know, we've got this big uh, spending bill, this build back better, whatever, baloney, um, in my opinion, my words, of course. Um and one good thing I, I've noticed, Preston, is the longer it's out there that it's not being passed, the more we learn about it, what's in it, what impact uh, is it going to have, positive, negative, what are true costs. Uh, you know, we saw some scoring recently. So, um, you know, just overall, I guess, if you would, give us your take on where we are with that bill and its progress. Sure. So, of the bill, uh, I think we're on iteration number four right now. So each different version that's come out, these these bills tend to be about 2,000 pages apiece. Some things get carved out, some new things get put in, but it has kind of slowly whittled away and it's it's at least better than it was in terms of um, the level of new taxes ending that was in the original bill that has come down some. Some of the more damaging uh, tax increases, for example, have gone by the wayside, uh, but they've replaced them actually with some, some other ones that are, that are uh, 
problematic. So there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces. Uh, I think you're right. There has been a lot of uh, scrutiny um, with each additional uh, proposal that they're putting out there. You know, I've been very optimistic or, or uh, encouraging that, that they really need to have this at this particular moment because we've already spent, as you probably know, uh, about five and a half trillion dollars over the last and during the since the pandemic started uh, on various stimulus and um, infrastructure and all these different packages. So why we need this right now is, is kind of baffling. Yeah. From those various uh, spending programs hasn't even come out of the gate yet. So, you know, we learned that now we're looking at consumer uh, inflation at a 39 year high obviously fueled by uh, all of the money that's sloshing around, including what the Federal Reserve has been doing. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they want to pass more of these spending bills, this one in particular. And I, I'm just glad that it didn't get rammed through that, like you said, who in the heck? I mean, even experts like you, it would take you a long time to get through a 2,600-page document not only just a quick read, but to really understand and highlight and and do research on some of the uh, things in these bills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, here at Heritage, we we focus on the bill to go through the entire two thousand one hundred pages. Pages, yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a very tall order. So um, certainly, I don't think most of the people in Congress really understand all the things that are that are in these. Should be uh, just getting these done as quickly as possible. You know, I don't think this is the way the government is supposed to work. No, not at all. I agree 100 percent with you. And like you said, uh, you know, I, I think originally it was 2,600. Now it's down to 2,100 pages. I mean, and and we're starting to because some things have been taken out. I mean, are we being conditioned to accept something that's not even mediocre? But is that their long game um, where they're putting anything and everything they can think of into these spending packages uh, to, in my opinion, again, to increase their power, um, their own personal wealth in many cases, their re-election coffers. So then, you know, we see this horrid bill and then it gets dressed up a little bit, accept it. Do you think that's happening? Well, I think that there are a lot of people that want to get their piece of the pie um, or that they have their own particular interest. You know, I, I do think that there is a little bit of, of just a broad coalition of different people that, that want different things. And so that's leading to a little bit of what you're seeing. Um, but it does definitely feel like, you know, they're throwing what they can at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, um, and you know, maybe the effect of that is to, to some extent that, oh, well, at least it's not as bad as that, that original bill that we saw a couple of months ago. But, but yeah, you know, when we're talking about these, these $2 trillion, and really, if you get right down to it, if these these provisions were made $5 trillion, um, when you're talking about these numbers, these are things that we've never talked about before. You know, when you're talking about some of uh, some of these bills in the past, $1 trillion would have been uh, an eye-popping number just 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and for people trying to get their arms wrapped around trillions, it's extremely hard to do. I know... Um, I shared this story on the program uh, a month or so ago. I was um, channel surfing and uh, came across a C-SPAN 3 uh, piece that had an economic um, presser for President Ronald Reagan where he was calling on everyone, answering all their questions. 
And, you know, one of the things that he was trying to do back then, again, it was even harder for people to try to comprehend a trillion dollars, was say you take a $1,000 bill, which is not in circulation anymore, but if you put that in your hand, if you stacked it four inches high, you'd be a millionaire. And then he said for a trillion dollars, you would 60 miles. So for you, for example, say from Washington to King's Dominion or whatever – I mean, that's just a phenomenal amount of money. And when you try to understand it in that aspect, at least you can have some grip on it. You know, you wonder how we can continue to spend like this. The national debt is at $29 trillion, um, you know, and it's only projected to get exponentially worse as the entitlement programs of Social Security and Medicare um, as, as more and more uh, boomers reach retirement age, it's only going to get worse. And so we do have certainly the potential of um, a debt crisis if, if we don't. Well, and thank you for bringing that up. Um, we talk about that often on the program. Here you've got all of this new spending, and we know, we hear it every year from the trustees, that Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid are headed toward insolvency. So what are we going to do, you know, again, in the 11th hour to fix that? It seems like that's its own crisis in the making. Well, yeah, absolutely. The sooner we get our handle, a handle on these things, the easier it'll be. And the longer we wait, the longer we kick the can down the road or make problems worse, as we would be if we're going to add a couple more trillion dollars to the deficit now. It's just going to be more painful when eventually it comes due and we do have to, to pay our debtors because – People aren't going to be willing to continue to take on U.S. debt if they don't see um, some turn in in our fiscal responsibility. Yeah, and the other part of that is, you know, we're at record uh, low interest rates. Eventually, when interest rates go up, that's going to increase our interest on our debt. So that's a whole other separate issue. Yeah, so right now we're looking at low interest rates. Um, we, as you mentioned, the inflation report today, um, over 6%, uh, was it 6.8%, I believe. Um, you know, when, you, when you're talking about the increased inflation, one of the things that will likely come with that is, is the interest rates will have to go up in order to try to rein that in. And so you do start to worry about where that, where that, what the future will look like. If Yeah, exactly. Um, and just real quick, I want to back up to something you said a couple moments ago um, about if these uh, taxes um, or programs are made permanent, it would explain what you mean by that. Yeah. So one of the things, and and they've been doing this from the beginning, even the the first iteration of these programs, they would, they'd be put in there for maybe three years, four years. Um, So all the spending is kind of front loaded, but then they're not funding it for the full 10 years. But then uh, in order to make the math, what they do is they make the taxes run for the full 10 year budget window. So you have three or four years of spending and then 10 years of, of, of actual uh, of taxes to pay for that. And so obviously their intention, for example, with a child tax credit, they have that in there. They have that in there for one year right now. Um, but they would like to have that extended, presumably for the full 10 years. And so when you actually get down to it and, and the, has, has looked at this, uh, I believe CFRB has as well, where if you extend everything out, for the full 10-year horizon, that all the spending so that it matches up with the taxes, 
that 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 I believe I believe it was CFRB an estimate of around four point nine trillion dollars uh, of actual spending, as, and as opposed to the I believe two point four trillion that they came up with uh, of gross spending, if you take the bill as it's written. And actually, uh, the JCT is going to be looking at, or CBO rather, is going to be looking at the um, the, the same question of if, if all these programs are extended for the full 10 years, what's that going to look like? And so we should have government scorekeepers that are going to actually have, will be helpful, I think. Yeah, exactly. Especially, again, if we get it before uh, they pass it so more people yeah. can be educated and understand. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with my guest this morning, Mr. Preston Brashers. Uh, he's a senior policy analyst in the Grover M. Herman Center for the federal budget who focuses on tax policy uh, and, and things of that nature this morning to try to educate everyone as best as possible to understand at least from a 10,000 what's going on with uh, the spending packages, what's being proposed, um, and what we may unfortunately be uh, saddled with, uh, us, our kids, our grandkids, great-grandkids, if some of this stuff continues to go through. So uh, we're going to be talking about the SALT deduction that's in this uh, proposal on the other side of the break, and we'll explain exactly what that is in case you don't know. Stay tuned. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD. A podcast, just go to um, Apple Podcasts and you can catch the program there. Uh, re-listen to various editions like this one. Uh, share with your friends, people you care about. Um, and uh, we're continuing my guest, Mr. Uh, Preston Brashers, and he is a senior policy analyst in the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget, focuses on tax policy. Uh, his risks include corporate and international tax policy, simplifying and improving transparency in the tax code, etc. Uh, he got his Ph.D. in economics from the University of Kentucky in Lexington and his B.S. in economics from the University of Washington in Seattle. And, um, you know, Preston, looking right before the break, um, you've written some really good articles on a lot of these issues that we're talking about. Um, one of the ones that you wrote uh, on December the 6th was titled Four Problems with Left's Hypocritical Plan to Give Wealthy Constituents a Bigger SALT Deduction. Would you let our listeners know what SALT deduction is? Sure. So SALT is short for state and local tax. And so the way that the tax system works is, at least prior to 2017, uh, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act went into effect, taxpayers could claim a statement that if you paid, say, a million dollars of uh, state and local income taxes and property taxes, 
you could deduct that from your your income. So when you're calculating your taxable income for your federal taxes, you reduce that by a million dollars. And so if you, you would pay $400,000 less of federal taxes because of that state and local tax deduction. When the Republicans came in in 2017 and they did the, the, the tax cuts, they re- wanted to reduce rates and flatten the tax cuts. They, they removed a lot of the deductions. One of those was the state and local tax deduction. They didn't remove it altogether. But what they did was they low, they put a cap on it, $10,000. You couldn't claim more than $10,000 of state and local income taxes uh, as, a, as a deduction. The other thing that the Republicans did was they added a uh, they double taxpayers can claim a standard deduction of 25100 which means that for most taxpayers, they're not going to pay enough uh, state and local income taxes or uh, property taxes to exceed that $25,000 threshold. 90% of taxpayers choose to claim the standard deduction. So where this, uh, this cap actually hits people is if you're A, uh, a very high income earner, and B, particularly if you're in a high-income tax state. And so um, what the Democrats want to do is they want to increase those dollars to $80,000 and so uh, allow more uh, state and local income taxes to be deducted from, uh, from people's federal taxes. Yeah, that's right. So if you look at half of the state and local tax deduction is generally claimed by – so it's very much concentrated in a few states that have very, very high incomes – uh, income taxes and very, very high. So um, uh, that's been upped, hasn't it, from when uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, the uh, Build Back Better uh, spending program. Um, yeah. So they've, they've actually uh, kind of snuck some things in there in that area, it sounds like. Yeah, this was this was something that was on the radar, but uh, it was a little bit surprising because you, you thought from the progressive wing in particular there there'd be some pushback uh, more pushback on this because obviously you can view this as just a big giveaway to to the very wealthy um, one of the statistics that that I think is interesting is if you look at taxpayers in the bottom eighty percent their average benefit from from raising the salt cap would be sixteen dollars but if you look at taxpayers in the top one percent that benefit is actually $16,000 or close to $16,000. And that's based off of Wharton School estimates. So literally a 1,000 times more of the benefit is going to the top 1%. So you kind of thought there would be a little bit more pushback, even though there was talk about putting this in. Some of the congressmen from New York, they definitely wanted it, and that, that was known, but this didn't end up getting added until the third iteration. At that point, it was uh, closer to 70000 where the cap was, they actually increased it even further to eighty thousand in the in the last iteration. Well, yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, supposedly uh, a party that um, tries to say they're for Joe Lunchbox and you know for the for the down and out, and and that's what all of their uh, focus is on. This is just the opposite of that. It looks like a payback for folks that are wealthy. Yeah, um, I mean, this is if if you look at the. Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. They they score all the spending and tax provisions, and if you look at their estimate, this is actually the largest cost in the bill at two hundred seventy five billion dollars. So it's a very large cost, and something uh, with this this big giveaway to wealthy donors in in states like California, New York, New Jersey. Yeah, and it gets back to the uh, question, you know, where they say this isn't going to cost anybody anything, and the whisper of it's paid for and all that garbage. It just doesn't seem to jive. 
Yeah, well, it, it certainly costs something. It's, it's costing uh, everything has an opportunity cost. Um, so if you're choosing to impose, if you if you want to have this new deduction, um, it's going to be paid for somehow, and so it's just a matter of where. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, I think everybody knows nothing's free. Um, they're uh, attached to it for sure. We're going to take a uh, quick news break, and then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with uh, my guest, Mr. Uh, Preston Brashers. And um, we're going to talk about, again, another really good article he wrote on the 12th of uh, November um, about this uh, Build Back Better bill um, and uh, the IRS bureaucracy. Again, I talked about this earlier uh, in the week on the Morning News Express. Uh, to me, the word that comes along with this is scary. And uh, we'll get Preston's uh, expert insight on this in just a minute. Stay tuned. trying to do right I've been trying to get a little more sleep at night It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcast and you can listen to the program, uh, re-listen to it, uh, share it, etc. Um, and we're to- a good conversation today, by the way, really learning a lot. I hope you are, too. Um, joining me this morning has been and will continue to be for a little bit Mr. Preston Brashers. He's a senior policy analyst in the Grover M. Herman Center for the Tax Policy. Uh, previously, he was a manager at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, he also uh, worked as a tax policy specialist in the Research and Fiscal Analysis Division of the Washington State Department of Revenue, and um, really has written some good pieces. If you go to heritage.org, and just uh, his last name is B R A S H. ERS Brashers. Uh, you can look at some of his uh, his fine work. So, um, Preston, uh, I mentioned the one piece that you did uh, back on uh, 12 November, and uh, it's titled Build Back Better. Bill would build a bigger but not better. So, again, this is something that's it's the, I think some of the media has done a decent job uh, throwing it out there and making people aware that, you know, this is something in this this proposal. Give us an overview, though, kind of educate the audience on what. Uh, yeah. So one of the things we talked about how the the, the Democrats who are pushing the Build Back Better Act, how they're they're looking for different ways to come up with the revenues to pay for for this bill, and one of the things they came up with was to basically use the IRS to and, and you, uh, bolster the, the size of the IRS and have them essentially go after more people to, to find more money that way. And so the Biden administration and they, the White House put out put out a estimate that the, they could raise an additional funding the IRS more. 
Um, and so they want to essentially double the size of the IRS in, in terms of adding 87,000 new IRS agents, uh, nearly doubling the size of the budget um, over the next 10 years. And uh, the goal of this is, of course, to extract more dollars out of, out of taxpayers. Claims, it would only come from taxpayers in the top that are making more than $400,000. Uh, that is, seems extremely unlikely, um, given the way that uh, audits actually work in, in practice. Um, you know, I think the, one, one thing to think about when they, when they make the claim that they're only going to go after the, the individuals making more than $400,000 they're reporting more than $400,000 of income. If you're a tax cheat and you hear that, that they're, they're only going after, well, if, if you're a tax cheat, you might as well just claim less than $400,000 of reported income, and then I guess you're, you're safe or something. So it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't pass the, the, the sniff test in terms of, of um, how audits actually work. They're, the audits are there to check and confirm people's uh, reported in- income is accurate. Yeah, and and again, I mean, you, the, billions of dollars being uh, funneled to the Internal Revenue Service. Um, that obviously, number one, it just screams growing government, making the government. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the overreach. I mean, one of the things, the last piece I saw was um, anyone that uh, has $10,000 in transactions in or out, uh, on an annual basis would fall under uh, million taxpayers. So, again, they're not going for the the big, you know, rich and famous and the whisper, you know, pay your fair share garbage. I mean, it's just weaponizing the IRS, it seems. Yeah, so I've, I've looked at these numbers a little bit uh, more recently. And actually, if, if you get down to it, um, it's kind of a, a little bit U-shaped if you look at, at audit rates. Audit rates are actually very high among taxpayers making less than $50,000. And a, a lot of the reason for that is actually uh, that when you have not uh, reducing your taxes, it's, it's actually getting you to, to negative taxes in some of these cases. Um, and so since you're getting these, these, these checks from the government, there can be a lot of fraud in those. And so the, the IRS currently... Um, they they estimate that, that, that close to 25% of the payments are in error, and so they have a very high audit rate on those uh, those refundable credits. And, of course, what does the Build Back Better do? It, it has more and more of these kind of refundable credits where you can essentially just have checks coming out from the government. So the idea that they're not going to have more scrutiny on, on the low, well, that kind of flies in the face of actually just making sure that they're running their, their programs efficiently. And so I, I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, in a lot of different ways with this $400 billion estimate of all the revenue they're going to be raising. Um, and also looked at this, has said, the CBO, they, when they looked at this, they said, you're not going to come up with those kinds of numbers. And even if you are, this is, they're, they're funneling a lot of money into this. And so the return on investment is extremely putting into the bureaucracy and how much they're actually able to raise. Because as it stands now, the IRS claims that for every uh, for every dollar that they're funded that they're able to raise $300 because so they don't have to have this level of scrutiny to, to really uh, crack down on taxpayers to make them pay their taxes. The vast majority of taxpayers, which they should be, they're honest when they're paying their taxes. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing, I mean, it, it just raced through my head when you said people um, that are getting audited 
uh, that make less than $50,000. Also because they look like it could be a win for them, that they could say, ah, you know, we found something or we clawed some money back versus ah, we just got waxed by a multimillionaire because his accountant did an extremely good job and made us look uh, foolish. Well, yeah, I think there's probably something to be said about it being a little bit more low-hanging fruit that it's probably going to be a long, drawn-out audit when you're trying to get the uh, to, and you're going up against someone that maybe can, can hire uh, t- tax lawyers if you, if you have a tax sheet more at the top end. Um, so, so, yeah, there may be something to that as well. Yeah, for sure. We're going to take a uh, uh, another quick break. We'll come back and finish up our uh, with my guest this morning, Mr. Preston Brashers. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to continue talking about uh, the IRS and uh, what might be in store for uh, for us as American citizens. Walking on the water, you know, like a sunny morning, ever singing gospel. It's a hell of a like the lines on a mercury. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast. Uh, catch uh, some of our uh, extremely smart, intelligent, friendly, kind uh, guests. Just like today, it's just a great conversation with my guests this morning. The senior policy analyst in the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget over at Heritage. Our friends at Heritage uh, always are there willing to help us out and educate us and provide uh, talent and expertise like uh, Preston brings. So, Preston, um, how much of a chance do you think this uh, BBB bill has of uh, getting pushed through? Everybody knows, or most people know, that, you know, Joe Manchin and Senator Cinema they're kind of the firewall right now. But it sounds like things are, are uh, loosening up and there's a couple cracks in the dam uh, elsewhere as, uh, also. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 tough to predict because there is a lot that rests on one person. So I think when you have just one person that's kind of been the dam or maybe two people that have been the dam, it does make it a, kind of read the tea leaves, I think, because um, you're you, it's, it's almost like in the old days when uh, Alan Greenspan was the, the Fed chairman and they'd look at his briefcase and they'd, they'd try to predict based what, what he was going to have that was going to happen to the, the briefcase that he was, you know, when one person is 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 controlling so much of the the um the direction it's it's really hard to say um i do think that you know based off of what we're hearing it it's very unlikely that the current build back better act as it currently stands through at least anytime soon so i think if anything does happen it's probably going to be um uh, have go through some significant changes um they're going through what they call the bird bath right now um, so there will be some changes that happen there, and certainly I think Manchin is putting to to make some changes. Um, and who knows, maybe puts the brakes on it altogether. Certainly that's, that, that would be, I think, the, in the best interest of the country. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about right now he's the most powerful politician in the country. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's He's uh, got a lot of power there, um, and so if 
And, and one of the things he's pointed out and he's pointed to is, was the, the inflation, uh, that he's concerned about that. And so I, I think the fact that you just saw the inflation report that you did today, over well over 6%, um, you know, the highest inflation reading since 1982, he's got to be looking at that and saying, well, I think we need to hold off and, and um, you know, I, I think he's going to have a, it's going to be, that would be a hard sell, I think, for, uh, for, for Manchin to have a really large spending bill. And, and again, it's very, very much front loaded. So you front load all that spending. Um, that's not going to help on the inflation front. Yeah, and I, and I mean, it, it is going to be so interesting to see if he holds the line because he's got, what, another four years in the Senate. He was just uh, reelected not long ago. So it's not like he's up for reelection uh, in West Virginia. Um, you know, it's it's just it's it's amazing to watch a guy with that much power uh, excellent point that you had, too, about inflation, because I think, you know, that's something that's immediate. It's uh, just devastating for people on fixed incomes, for the poor, for the single moms out there. You know, people start making decisions about filling their car or truck up with gas versus what they're going to buy at the grocery store or prescription being paid for. Um, and people are understanding that not only is inflation, as you mentioned, you know, is he in 82, but also wages are not keeping up with inflation. So this is a lose-lose type of scenario. Yeah, um, so absolutely. So inflation is, it's definitely hitting people's pocketbooks. You know, I think for a long time there, the um, the administration and the, the different experts were kind of telling us, no, this inflation, it's, it's just on paper, you know, because inflation was really down during the, the, the height of the pandemic. Um, so we're just seeing, you know, relative to year over year, it looks high, but it's just on paper. But then, you know, over the last few months, it's it's kind of definitely come to a head where where they can't look at that, these numbers and say that it's just on paper. These are these are real things that are affecting um, people. And, and, you know, you go to the growth ages, just they're not keeping up. And so uh, it's 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 not benefiting uh, the average everyday American. Uh, to gonna then in turn have to pay more uh, for all their goods and services. Yeah, and I, th- I don't mean this in a boastful way at all, but we blew that whole transitory thing out of the water back in uh, February and March when they started using it uh, to people and make them feel stupid um, personally. And I was glad that Jerome Powell last week finally took that off the table. Now the problem is, Preston, the inflation horse is out of the barn. So if the Fed wants to have, you know, 2% inflation and we're at 6.8, this seems to be a real issue. They're late to the party. And we know, except for the last recession that we had because of the virus, every other recession was preceded by uh, some type of overreaction with the Federal Reserve. Uh, How do you see that playing out um, as we, you know, end this year and go in the next yeah, that's another tough one, I guess. Um, again, kind of looking at how one, one person is going to very difficult situation because you know inflation is a lot easier to control when when you're when you're a little bit more on offense than you're playing defense, and and you let things get up to where they've gotten. It's going to be, and I think that's another thing with with all this spending that maybe don't think about as much is is we really have poured all this spending in and. Over the course of such a short period of time, 
that it, it did kind of make it more volatile for the Federal Reserve to, to try to keep um, inflation in check because there was all this additional money in the in the system, um, and it's just extreme. All this fiscal response, um, the offsetting monetary response, that's going to be a little bit more difficult to calibrate um, when you have so much happening on the fiscal side. Yeah, I think it's just hard. Like you said, they're playing catch up um, already. You can see that even though they're not alluding to it. And I, I think the other thing that I mean, I don't like really anything in this uh, BBB bill uh, simply because we don't need more spending in, in my mind. Um, it's it's kind of like when the Federal Reserve does react and they say, OK, we're going to go up or go down a quarter point. It's really going to take at least history has shown four to six months for that to work its way through the pipeline and to have some type of recognizable and honest um, kind of version of, of the way things are looking, it's got to be the exact same way with all of this money. Uh, like you said, there's trillions and trillions that have already been spent, um, and we haven't seen the, the the full result of that yet. So why they would want to uh, – well, that's, that's stupid. I know why they want to do it, but – you know, they shouldn't be pouring more money out into the economy at this time, it seems. Yeah, it's 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 kind of you, you got to have a very high uh, sense of your own ability to foresee the future. If if you're going to have that much control over the economy and, and put that much uh, confidence in, in being able to, to direct all the resources and spend all this money, that you don't think that there's going to be some some bad consequences somewhere down the line because, yeah, there's absolutely on the monetary side, on the fiscal side, they've just been going to town, and you know nobody can really wrap their their brains around their hands around all that's going on in the economy. And so, yeah, you can you can look at your one one area and you can want to fix some problems somewhere, but you you push hard enough there and you're gonna you're gonna cause problems at somewhere else. Um. Like you said, it takes time for all these things to work out. And, and, and I know, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to it, yourself and your colleagues at Heritage. And that's great because um, if you haven't, folks, you, folks, you can uh, go to heritage.org and read all kinds of just honest educational uh, information on various topics for free. It doesn't cost you anything. And you'll be the smartest one at the cocktail. And also you can sign up. For their free uh, daily emails, uh, they come right to your inbox, so you can do that. Um, Preston, I want to thank you very much for your time today uh, and, and all of your info. And again, I want to remind everybody, uh, if you want to read Preston Brasher's uh, information, go to heritage.org. Uh, we discussed just two pieces, uh, one on oh, and the IRS and then also the other one uh, that has to do with that uh, SALT deduction, which is just a big uh, payback for the fancy pants that live on uh, the east and west coast in particular and, uh, and contribute to a lot of their political funds. So anyway, uh, Preston, thank you very much. I appreciate your time, and I hope you have a end. And a, uh, a Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you. And um, that does it for us. We're uh, out of time. A lot of really good stuff from Preston Brashers. Uh, and like I said, you can get – there's so much free you can get out there these days. Um, and it's on policy, you know, as opposed to – and it's well-written – and fairly easy to understand. You know, some of it gets a little cumbersome. Uh, and bypass that. 
uh, if you want and not get uh, kind of caught down in the weeds. Um, but Heritage, um, you know, is a great, great organization with good information. I'll tell you something else I found. I don't know if you have. If you go to Hillsdale uh, College, to their website, they have quite a few free online lectures. And they are just a joy, whether it's the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence or the one I'm doing now is uh, on uh, Aristotle ethics. Um, just it's a great institution. We've had some people uh, that have spoke at Hillsdale here on the program uh, over the years. And um, that's all. It doesn't cost you anything. The rot that's on regular TV, cable TV, and then, of course, the Netflix and Hulu's um, I mean, that some of that stuff is just so terrible. They want to make you believe that our country and our world is functioning in a certain way and what they produce. And that's just not true. So there's a lot of good stuff out there, I guess, is my point. And just in case you didn't know about Heritage or Hills um, and, and, and others out there that we and our children and our grandchildren can uh, can really benefit from. And uh, it's just it makes you feel good. You know, learning or relearning or being reminded about how great our country is and the history and and whatnot. So I would just encourage you to check that out. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Those are uh, live conversations weekday mornings at 5.50, 6.50, 7.50 on the business update. And then we'll be back here next Saturday. Graham. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Baby, lay on back and relax. Kick your pretty feet up on my dash. No need to go nowhere fast. Let's enjoy right here where we at. Who knows where this road is supposed to lead? We got nothing but time. You right here next to me, everything's gonna be alright. If it's meant to be, it'll be. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. 930 WFMD Sports Update from the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Brian Fenley. Taking a glance at the NBA from Friday, where it's a 90 Phoenix outscoring Boston by 17 points in the second quarter. The Lakers win convincingly against the Thussaming with 33 points. The Cavs stick it to the Timberwolves, 123-106. to Darius Garland for Cleveland, 12 points, 12 assists. He was plus 29 in the plus-minus category. The Bucks hold off the Rockets, 123-114. Giannis Antetokounmpo thriving with 40 oil. One points and 17 rebounds. The Raptors get the job done against the Knicks, 90 to 87. New York has lost six out of its last games. The Nets win against the Hawks, 113 to 105. Kevin Durant, 31 points, and Brooklyn improves to 18 and 8 on the season. And the Hornets hang on against the Kings, 124 123. News Radio 930, WFMD Frederick, a radio station. Seven o'clock.